We're going to sing a Christmas carol together, and you've got, you've got to be the choir, so if, you've, if you can sing bass, sing bass. If, if you can sing alto, sing alto. If you can sing tenor, sing tenor. If you can see lead, sing lead. If you can't sing, sorry to your neighbor. Just tell him that, and you just belt it out. And we're going to sing this song. I think we're going to have the words up here. And here we go. You ready? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Let's sing the second verse. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to appear, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. You sound great. <laughs> Be seated. Thank you. And if you haven't picked up my Christmas gift yet, 16 and a half neck, 35 length sleeve. Just <laughs> letting you know. So if we actually, and I would encourage you maybe to even go online or if you have a book that has Christmas carols, go back and read every verse of this song. And as I was contemplating us being together here this morning, I just had this really strong sense that, that God was speaking to us and saying that if we would take the truth that's presented even in just this song and commit to it beyond Christmas Day, that it would do a transformative work in us through the next year. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And I was also thinking of this, that we're singing these Christmas carols and, and enjoying, enjoying this Christmas season. And I thought, what, what, what song does, does Jesus sing this time of the year? And so, and, and it's kind of a shame because I think maybe he would be singing the 1980s tune written by the British pop duo Wham, and you would recognize it. Last Christmas I gave you my heart, the very next day you gave it away. Think about that. Christmas Day 1975, Pam gave her heart away to me. We were in love, we had known each other for several years, and we had started dating, and I knew that she was the one for me, and so without her knowing, I bought a ring, and I hitched a ride down to Fort Wayne, Indiana, to her 
her home, surprised her on Christmas Day in the evening, gave her the ring and asked her to marry me, and she said yes, and that was just amazing. But then I did the unthinkable. As the evening went on, I began to realize how wonderful she is, how loving she is, how amazing she is, how beautiful she is. The girl of my dreams, because I've always said that I was going to marry a blonde girl with blue eyes and a beautiful smile, and I just she was just everything that I had really thought that I wanted. And it freaked me out, because I began to say to myself, I cannot love her the way she loves me, and she'll soon figure that out, and she will dump me. So that evening on Christmas Day, I asked for the ring back. That was only the women who did that. <gasps> the guys go, yeah, I know what you mean, dude. I know. So I said, you know, I'm just thinking this thing through, and I didn't say it in the way that I just told you, and I said, we're thinking the thing through, and, you know, we can, we can, we'll, 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 still, we'll still go out on Friday nights, and we'll, we'll, we'll still study together in the library, and I'll, I still will we'll kiss you goodnight, and we can still go make out at the zoo. I mean, we can do that stuff. You know, why the zoo? Because it was right next to the school. And, and, and we can still hold hands and walk through campus, but this whole, this commitment to that thing, it's freaking me out. I'm not sure I trust this. I'm not sure where it's going. So, so I, give me the ring back. She answered me sweetly and swiftly. She said no. <laughs> She says no a lot, I've just got to say. <laughs> she said no, I'm keeping the ring, and I'm keeping you. <laughs> just the ladies did that. <laughs> the guys are saying, dude, you should have run. <laughs> so what I began to understand about this lady is that she had this ability to love that was far superior to my inability to trust. So we have just sung, hail, or what we were going to sing, the third verse goes this way, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. God understand that God is ultra serious about giving his heart away. So serious that he takes the benefits of being God and he puts them to the side. He puts on baby skin. And he is willing to die in my world so that he can birth me into his world. He is serious about giving his heart away. And we've been talking about that heart for these last weeks because this is incredible. This is a love revolution. And that freaks us out. Because we look at this God and, and Pastor Don had a, had a prophetic word for this, us this morning. Mike didn't know what we were doing this morning, but his songs reflected this whole thought as if the Holy Spirit is guiding a thought for us this morning. Ooh, what are the chances?
God is impressing on us today that, that when we begin to study this love, when we begin to see this, this, this radical, this, this, this love revolution that he brought to this earth, we look at it and go, that love is so great and I can never love it that I can't love you in return that way. And because I can't love you in return that way, somewhere down the road you're going to figure that out and you're going to dump me. So I'm not sure I can commit to this thing. But, but, I'll, but, I'll, but here's what we'll do. I'll, I'll still read your love letters out of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll read those periodically and go, oh, wow, is he great. In fact, I'll gather periodically on a Sunday morning with a bunch of other people, and I will sing your praises. Other people know how great you are. And, in, and in, then sometimes I'll, I'll even get my heart close enough to yours that I begin to melt a little bit inside, like on Christmas Eve or on Good Friday. And I walk across campus holding your hand, but I'm not sure that I can allow our hearts to be so t close that your heart would consume mine. Because if I do that, eventually you'll figure this out and you'll break my heart. And maybe even worse, you'll wreck my heart. Because you see, his love is his nature. His love is his glory. And that word glory literally means the weight of God. And when you have a collision with the weight of God, God begins to shape us and form us because when you get hit with that kind of weight, something gets shaped. And we're fearful. If I get that close to God and he begins to throw his weight around and begins to shape me, I'm not even sure I want the way he's going to shape me. I'm not sure I trust him enough. And therefore, God, you can, you, I can sit in a, in a place like this and hear words about you and agree with those and say, yes, that's right. I can even use religious terms and say, amen. But I'm not sure I can give you my heart, even though you've given me yours. Because if your heart hits my heart, it may shape me in a form I don't want to be. And I'm not sure I can commit to that. And you got to think that God goes, what else can I do to show you my love? And could it be that sometimes God gets as frustrated with us as his pastor did with his congregation? Today's reading comes from the book of Proverbs. If I may digress for a moment from my prepared message, I mean it when I say to you, You guys! Sometimes you're bad! Don't be jerks! You're supposed to be good! I'm in my office every day and somebody comes in and they're like, hey, whoops. I'm like, don't! Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. I took a vow to not say who is the worst, but it's Dan. You guys are making me look bad in front of God. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it! The word of the Lord. Stop it! If you are here today and you've ever been a pastor, you know that feeling. 
Stop it. (laughs) But I don't think it's stop doing that as much as if Jesus' heart would be saying this morning, stop holding back. Stop, Stop doing this thing where you don't let the heart of Jesus explode inside of you. Because if you don't, then it's just religion. And we have already lost a generation of people who don't trust the church because they've recognized that the church doesn't trust the heart of Jesus. They will say to us in so many words, you are religious, but your religion is empty. There is no heart change. See, you can come to a gathering like this every Sunday and you can say religious words and they will say, but I watch other people whose lives are the same as yours because your life is no different than theirs and they don't come to a service like this and they don't speak religious words and there doesn't seem to be a difference between you. Yo, you're religious, but the religion is empty. Therefore, why should we even trust religion? And therefore, there's a whole mass of people that would never even step into an organizational gathering such as this. They say it's just religion. So should we toss it? A certain man identified by the gospel writer Matthew as being young and by the gospel writer Luke as being a ruler comes to Jesus and he says, how can I get into this world that I seem so close to be able to get a hold of? And it's just so close, but I can't get there. This world that you have promised, that the scripture promises, that will be a world full of justice. And boy, we need justice. And a world full of love, and we know we need love. And a world full of this exuberant joy and happiness. How can I get there? Matthew Another writer of the Gospels then tells the story, and he says this. Now, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired, and Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus' response is a religious response? He said, all the stuff that you've learned in the religious training that you've had, do that stuff. And he says, I do it. You can't find anybody more religious than me. I do that stuff. And isn't, isn't it just unique that he does those, stuff, that, those things and he says, but yet I'm still missing something. What is that that I'm missing? There's something that is not there and Jesus is gonna let him know that religion by itself is empty. You say, well, that's what I'm saying. We shouldn't be religious. No, no, Jesus said it may say it's empty, but he's not saying it's unnecessary. Because Jesus himself was really religious. You say, no, wait, 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 wait. I watched Jesus. I read the scriptures. I've seen this thing. And and it's Jesus who says these not-so-nice words. 
to the religious people. He says things like, you are like a tomb that's really painted nice on the outside. And people go, ooh, look at you. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Jesus said to religious people, they think you're good, but I see inside and you're like vipers. Jesus looks at them and he says, you begin to create so much religion, it's like a weight that nobody can carry and all they carry is guilt. But then Jesus also said this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law, the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. Jesus didn't say I came to wipe out religion. He said the opposite. He said, because Jesus lived within the, the, the religion of his time. Jesus was trained up in the, in the Jewish system, in the traditions. He was circumcised. Jesus joined in all the Jewish feasts. I like the words of Alistair Stern who said, Jesus did not consider his religion inherently bad or something to condemn, but rather something ordained by God to be fulfilled by him. Judaism found its deepest meaning and purpose in him, and Jesus would take a religion distorted and broken by humanity and turn it into something more. Jesus saw himself as the climax of what this religion had set out to do, and not just Jesus in that time, but when he birthed the church on the day of Pentecost. Do you know what he said? One of the things he said was, okay, so here's the deal you got to do. He said, you got to be baptized into the life of the triune God. You got to. And, and, and on a regular basis, you need to partake of the Eucharist. You got to. That's, that's my command. So you you got to do that stuff, and, and, and here's a pattern for learning how to pray. So, so pray all the time, and here's what you do. And also, you need to fast, because I know you need to fast, so you need to fast. So here's the stuff you need to do. And then I've got this assignment for you that's all the way out of the system, and then it's this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's your assignment. That's religious stuff. You say, well, but if that's Jesus and that's the stuff and he's in the middle of the stuff, why does religion today seem so impotent? Because we who are so human and broken have turned it into a system for our own benefit. We use it to try to impress God. We use it to try to impress each other. We, we have this thing we call legalism. We have all the rules and all the things. And if you come here and worship, you've got to look this way and do that thing and be this, this way so, 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 that, so that I can do those things. And if I do those things, then I impress God. And if I impress God, then I can say, God, here, you have to love me. And if I do the right thing, it's called moralism. I can I sit with you and say, I can do the right things. I can impress you with my piety. And I can say, there, now you've got to like me. That way, if I do religion right, God's got to love me and you've got to like me. And that's great. And Jesus says, that is hogwash. Look it up. It's the actual word, hogwash. It's not, but it could be. Notice Jesus' response to, the, to this rich, young ruler. He says, why do you say good? Only God is good. And what he's saying is this. Jesus is not saying I'm not good. Jesus is saying to him, you're not good. You're doing all the religious stuff, but you're still not good. You haven't a snowball's chance in hell of gaining enough credit to come to God and say, here, now you've got to love me. You don't got it. So, 
he's got a religion and it's empty and you've got a religion and it's empty and what are you going to do with that? And, and it's not that religion is bad, it's just that our core, the center of our religion is bad. The center of true religion is surrendering our hearts to the heart of Jesus. We sang about it this morning. You're just going to take it and, and, and surrender it. Tim Keller says it this way, because the point isn't how good you are, but how surrendered you are. Have you given up your dream so that Christ is your dream? He asks us to give up more than we dare, but he offers us more than we can dream. He said, would you just trust his heart so that when you collide with that heart and he begins to shape you, it is the thing that you need to be? Can you trust him to do that? Can you commit to that? That is true religion. See, for, the, for this guy, he got collided with Jesus. He got collided with God, and, and Jesus wanted to shape him. And the problem was, at the center of his religion was not Jesus, but in the center for him was wealth. And where your treasure is, your heart is also. And for some of you, it may not be wealth. It could be fame. It could be that you need to be popular. It could be that you need, you, you need to, to succeed. It could be that, that it's your friendships. It, it could be your, your sexuality. It could be any of those things, but anything that's in the middle of your religion that seems to be the center of it, that's not Jesus, where you are shaped by Jesus instead of by your sexuality or by your success or by your education, it's a wrong religion. It's weak. It's empty. You say, well, because I figured out that I'm not good enough to love Jesus the way he wants me to love him and I've got this religion thing going and I'm showing up and doing the right stuff and now you're telling me that's empty. What do I got? Yeah, that's the question. What do you got? What am I going to do? And it's just amazing to me that after Jesus confronts this guy, here's what Mark says of this story. Here's, here's what Mark heard happen there. That as this guy walks a little ways away, the scripture says Jesus looked at him and loved him. His religion's bad and he can't love the way, he's a mess and he's just denied Jesus and Jesus loves him. That is so amazing to me. Don was talking about it this morning during prayer, the significance, the significance is he loves us. Revolutionary love. See, we think that coming to Jesus will solve all our problems, that he'll fix everything if we do the right stuff, and that just doesn't happen that way. In fact, could I be bold enough to say that Jesus is sometimes the beginning of our problems? Stuff we, would, we wouldn't have to face if we hadn't met him because Jesus begins messing with our religion and our core. See, we can't do the right things to get into God's heart. We, so we think that if we, if we move toward God by doing the right things, he'll go, oh, yeah, come on in. No, 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 you can't move toward him. You've got to move from him in this sense. Park long enough in the heart of Jesus and you will do the right stuff. Paul writing to the church in, in Philippians said, continue to work out your own salvation for it's God's will to work in you and to do his good pleasure. It simply means this, that as you park in his love, he gives you not only the ability to do what is right, but also gives you the desire to do it if you just park with him, just, just stay in him. It's not moving to him to say, okay, I've done all these things, embrace me. It's saying, I got nothing to offer. I just want to be in your heart. He says, come on into my heart. And as when, when you're in his heart, suddenly you go, ooh, Jesus, I know this is important to you, so I'm going to go do this thing because it's just my expression of love to you. And there's a big difference. One is legalism and one is grace. 
because we'll end up doing the right stuff. Look at the New Testament church. They've been with Jesus. Now his spirit comes on them. And look what they just do naturally because of soaking in this heart of Jesus. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. See, they weren't saying, hey, look at the sign of wonder I did. Now will you love me? No, 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 no. They're saying, the power is here because he loves us. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Look at they're loving each other because they understand love now. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Call it what you want. Call it religion. Call it discipleship. Call it community. Call it church. Call it doing life together. But let me tell you, when Jesus' heart explodes in your heart, it will also explode out of you onto other people. It just will. You say, but but that's the problem. I I, I see his love, and I can't can't compare to that. I I can't love like he does. And, And now you're telling me even the religious stuff that I've been doing, trying to really be better at things, it doesn't count. It's empty. Well, here's the good news for you. As you start to walk away from him, he looks at you, and he loves you. Because what Jesus wants is this. Jesus demands our fidelity, not our deeds. It is interesting that Luke's view of this story doesn't say that the guy wandered off and wasn't around. In fact, he doesn't say anything at all, which means it very well could be that he started to wander off and he might have heard the conversation that ensued after because Jesus turned to his disciples and he said this. Guy's wealthy. That's tough. Heart's full of wealth. That's tough. In fact, quite, quite, quite honestly, he came here seeking this, this world of, of, of God's preparation, this world that God has created, this, this world of justice and love. And he's looking for it. He's going to miss it. In fact, it's, it's a whole lot easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And I know some historians say, or some people say that he's talking about this, this gate that was short and the camel had to get kneeled down and go through it. No, 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 no. People didn't even think, begin talking about that until a couple centuries later. This really actually means that Jesus is saying, get a camel through the eye of a needle. I can't even get a thread through the eye of a needle. <laughs> let alone try getting a camel through. Do you catch what he's saying? He's saying, pretty impossible. And they go, wait, 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 wait. You're blowing our minds here because here's the deal. This guy has perfect religion. He's done everything he's supposed to do, everything we learned as kids. He's doing it. This is perfect. We we try to achieve that. We haven't reached it. And he's doing it. Not only that, but he's rich. And in that day, if you're rich, it means you're blessed by God. So this guy is blessed by God, and he's doing all the religious things, and you just told him he's not getting in. Now, how can we who are not that religious and we who, who, who are not that blessed by God, how do we get in? And Jesus said, yeah, with your religion, man stuff, it's impossible. But with God, everything's possible. See, so you start and you stay 
in the heart of Jesus because that's your safe place. The nation of Israel had done all the religious things, but somehow they're missing God's heart. And so God sends this prophet Hosea to tell them that they're missing the heart. One of many prophets who've been telling them, you're missing the heart, you're missing the heart, you're missing the heart, you're missing the heart, you're missing the heart. What do you think he's telling them? You're missing the heart. So Hosea says this on God's behalf. I want, you, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I want you to know me more than the religious stuff you do. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Your religion is missing its heart. You do stuff, but during the week, you, just, you break our covenant. You're not with me in heart. You just, you just do the stuff so people can see you, but but they, they, they know. You betray me and trust because you won't trust me. And what I want for you to do is I want you to understand me. So when the scripture says that you need to love God and love, love, love God and, and love each other, that whole thing about loving God is really this, understand me. Dig down deep enough that you understand me, understand my love for you. You need to understand me. So your Sunday morning attendance here, that's great. That's really great, but not if that's it. You, you going down and, 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 and teaching in the prison, that's great, but not if that's it. You can't say you love me and break my commandments. You say, well, that's religion stuff. No, 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 listen. Loving stuff and hobbies and passions more than me Lying, stealing, speaking destructive words and sex outside of the, the covenant of marriage, that stuff is more than religious expression. It's what I trusted you with. It reflects my character. It's understanding me. It's more than religious stuff. It's what I trusted you with. It's how we stay close to each other as we journey. It's how you stay healthy. It's what my kingdom will look like in its totality when I change the new, make a new heaven and new earth. And so if that's the way it's going to be, start living it now because you know me now. You say, but, but, but that's just religion. No, 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 that's, that's good. It's bad stuff if you're going to do that just to impress God. It's good stuff if you're going to do it because you love God. Because Jesus demands our fidelity. You say, but I'm not very good at fidelity. Yeah. But he is. So God says to Hosea, hey, let's teach them about the love revolution. I'm going to use you, Hosea, as, a, as a, a, a picture of what I want to do. You're going to be a living example. See, that was the problem about being a prophet back then. God could use you to do really weird things. One time he had a prophet lay naked for a year on his, on his side. I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> and so he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go, because he's not married. He said, you're going to go marry. Okay, that sounds great. I'm going to marry. No, no, no. You're going to go marry a serial adulterer. This girl just shacks up with everybody. And you're going to go marry her. Excuse? That's what you're going to do. You're going to show Israel how much I love them. You're going to go do that. Because they don't deserve it, but that's my kind of love. That's revolutionary love. I'm going to go do that. For them, you're going to go show them. 
So he goes and he gets this woman and he marries her and they have a baby. But after that, she gets pregnant again, only she's shacked up with somebody else. And God says, name that baby not loved. I mean, how would you like to name your kid not loved? Hey, not loved, come over here. Isn't my, isn't my son not loved? Because you've been born outside of my love. Well, that wasn't it. She went and had another baby with another guy. He said, okay, I want you to name this one not my people. Hey, I want, I want you to meet not belonging. This is my, my other son, not belonging. This is not loved and this is not belonging. Don't you just love them? And then, if it wasn't bad enough, somehow she gets involved in other relationships and eventually gets herself enslaved to somebody. I mean, he owns her now. See, that's the danger with us moving away from the heart of God. Something else enslaves us, and we can't get free. You may be sitting here today saying, I wish I could get to God, but this thing's got me hooked. So God comes back to Hosea and says, okay, now we're going to show Israel how I feel about them. I want you to go get your wife, the one that has been over and over and over again not, not faithful to you, and I want you to go buy her out of her slavery. Study the whole story of Jesus on the cross. That's him buying us out of slavery. And so Hosea goes, gets her, loves her, because he said, I want you to love her as your wife. Not just bring her in and say, okay, you're here. No, no, I want you to love her as your wife so that they will know how I love them. And, and not loved, rename him now to now loved. And, and not, not your God, name him now, belong to God, belong. These are my sons, loved and belong. Why? Because God just decided that that's what he wanted to do because his love is that radical. That's revolutionary love. In fact, let me show you what that kind of love looks like. Just get some coffee. Just go up here to the coffee place and grab some. You're gonna leave without saying a word, no goodbye, no nothing. I love you, you know. You do, no matter what, and you need to know that. Yeah, right. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, what are you trying to say by doing that? I'm not trying to say anything. Sure you are. For now, I mean, what is there to say? I've been cheating on you. You want details? Is that it? Details? Just slow down, please. Just go out and grab a cup of coffee. That's all you I'm You really need to stop forgiving me like this, Jimmy. I'm leaving. Lisa. Lisa, please. No, here. 
Here's your ring. Would you please just take the ring? Come on, Lisa. After all those nights I waited up for you, you can't give me the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee? Jimmy, please. Just a cup. No. A single cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking. What is it with you and the coffee? You make it sound like salvation or something. I don't want coffee. Would you please just take the ring? Why don't you just take it to a pawn shop and hawk it or something? I'm not taking it back. You know, Jimmy, it's not just the infidelity. Your birthday? I wasn't at work like I said I was. I was with somebody else. Somebody else? You know what I mean. That pocket watch I gave you? I didn't have time to go get your gift. So he gave it to me. That was his watch. Maybe you ought to give that back to him. Can't you see what I mean? I tried to be a good wife to you, I did. But there's something wrong with me, I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy, you deserve better than that. I don't want better than that, I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. stupid that I can't see that you're a walking contradiction and why can't I love you it's my heart it's my love I can do with it what I want I can love my mother I can love watching bees suck nectar from a flower and I can love your eyes when they're desperate and lonely like this. It's mine. I'm allowed. And right now, I invest my love in you because that is who I am. I'm your husband. I'm the man who promised you through thick and thin. And if you could feel those words in the way that I mean them right now, you wouldn't question whether I'm capable of loving you or not. You would say, he loves me that much. I'm only asking for a cup of coffee. Distorted religion says that I have to work my way back to God. Jesus' heart says I'm already here. And no matter what you've done, I want you. Because he has this ability to love greater than your inability to trust. So how do we respond when our religion is empty? And his love is so much greater than, than, than we can even imagine. Then I think we respond 
in the same way that Charles Wesley wrote the fourth verse of that Christmas carol. I'm going to invite you in the reverence of this moment to stand. Would you do that? And would you just sing this with me? Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface, Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. So, the core of all of this is surrender. To surrender to that kind of love. To say that, that I trust you, that if, that if I give you my heart, that your heart will consume mine, and what you make out of me will be the very best. And that I'm going to give up trying to impress you by my religion. doesn't mean that you won't do the things that are right, because you will, because you will love him but you won't be doing them because you need to impress him and you will be free from that bondage. And so the one who came to our world is inviting you into his world. And I think it would be just so appropriate this morning that some of you need to take a step of faith and say, I'm gonna surrender my heart to his. I'm going to give him my life today and let him be the ruler of the world as he is and especially my world. And so I'm going to ask now, in just a moment, that, that you come home to Jesus, that, 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 you, that you surrender your heart to him. And to do that, I'm going to, it takes a step of faith, so I'm going to invite you in just a moment that you're going to turn to each other. You've already greeted each other, the folks around you. This is, this is community. But I'm going to ask you to just turn to each other and say, would you like to come home to Jesus? And if that's you today, knowing that he loves you so much that no matter what you have done, no matter how bad things have been, that he takes you the way you are, he wants you, that his ability to love is greater than your inability to trust, that this is your moment of freedom, then say, yeah, I want to. And as that person, as you say yes, the person who asked you, we're going to invite you both to just come stand here as a step of faith, and we're going to pray together as community to begin that journey of trusting your heart to Jesus' heart. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn and ask each other that question. You say, I've, I've not really met this person before, but that's okay. We're community. You say, I may have asked them that question before, but it's a new day. You might get a different response. And then as soon as, as, soon as you say, yeah, I, I want that, I'm just going to ask you to come, and we're not going to embarrass you or single you out, but I want to pray together with you because we are a community. So now, would you just turn to the folks around you, beside you, in front of you, behind you, and just say, would you like to come home to Jesus? Would you do that right now? Go ahead. Just do that. 
And as they say yes, just come down here with me. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah. That's it. That's good. See, we're, we're all coming in contact once again in a fresh way with this, this, this radical revolutionary love. It's just amazing, isn't it? We're going we're gonna to pause for a moment because some of you have said, well, this is just new to me and I'm not used to doing this in a, in a church gathering and I just kind of, it freaked me out, but I see these people are responding and I wish I would have said, yes, just turn to the person who asked you and say, I changed my mind. I can do that and, and you can just come join us. That would be great. So what we're going to do, because this is the beginning of a journey, and the scripture says that, that, that we have to believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, and we have to confess with our mouths that Jesus is now Lord of our lives. Jesus is, is the one whose, whose heart is going to shape my heart. And so I want to pray that with you. And these folks, many of them have, have taken that st step of faith and put their faith in Jesus and are being shaped by him right now because we're all on this journey. And so this is the beginning of the journey. And so we're going to pray a prayer that's scripture, so it's truth. And I'm going to invite you to pray it out of your heart, but repeat after me so that, that I can give you some direction. And these folks are going to repeat it with you just as an encouragement to you and, add to, and to reaffirm their own commitment to this. So I invite you right now to just repeat this after me, if you will, and say, Jesus, I want a new life. And I believe that you love me. So you promised that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and to cleanse me from all impurity. So I confess to you I've done wrong. I am a sinner. But I put my faith in you. Please forgive me. And I invite you now to shape me to make me into the person that you designed for me to be. And you promised this, that if anyone is in Jesus, they're a new person. The old world is gone. A new world has begun. So I, I declare, I'm a new person in you. It's in your name, Jesus. I pray. Amen. That's great. That is really good. So, so we don't begin a journey without knowing where we're going and have a map to get us there. And we want to be able to help guide you into understanding Jesus better. And so we have some, some things for you. And those who you came with, we'll give you a few moments. They'll, they'll, they'll hang around. If they don't, we'll give you a ride home. You'll be fine. But we want you to just take a moment. We're going to take you back into a room back here. Nothing weird or wacky is going to happen to you. And Pastor Jason, who you can totally trust, uh, he's going to lead you back this direction. And so if you have trouble with stairs, the ushers will get you there. But just go this way right now. And, and we welcome you into the community of faith. It's great. <laughs> it's a good Christmas, isn't it? And so I'm so glad that you're here. You be sure you come back next week as we, as we complete this, uh, this series on this radical love, this revolutionary love. And you've got to be here Christmas Eve unless you're out of town. Otherwise, I'll hunt you down. And I'll drag you out of the restaurant and bring you here. Because I want to be with you.
So God's blessing be upon you and now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be blessing and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.